welcome back to the Next Community Podcast. I'm Angelo Luciani, along with Laura Whalen. Hey, everyone. And from Tech Reckoning, John Troyer. Hi, guys. On today's show, we have Jerrion Gibson, an independent consultant and solutions architect specializing in end-user computing, and a Citrix technology professional. He also blogs at jerriongibson.com. So we're looking forward to that interview with Dwayne and Jerrion. Before we get into the interview, let's discuss some news and current events. We have a blog post up, Nutanix, celebrating five years. It's called Nutanix, the first five years and beyond. Just celebrating the last five years in this incredible market. Really seeing a lot of growth in the company, a lot of excitement, a lot of energy. Folks are really excited about hyperconverged in Nutanix in general. We have a great video up on the site as well, a video that looks back and looks forward with insights from our CEO and other folks on the team. We'll have it in the show notes. And I encourage you to check it out. Uh, really, um, really insightful and pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I know the initial product availability was somewhere late in 2011. And since then, I mean, there's been an incredible momentum with this company. The company is now over 800 employees worldwide. So that's pretty cool. I think Nutanix has done an amazing job. I've been impressed as I've worked with the company, how dynamic it is and how smart the people are. Uh, the fact that this hyper-converged category has come out of quote-unquote nowhere, I think is a large part due to Nutanix. I'm super impressed. I think it's a multi-billion dollar market at the moment. I can't even see the top of how much of the market this kind of architecture will capture. It's just been fun watching it. I think you guys are having fun as well. Oh, definitely. I have to give a shout-out to the community here because I think a lot of the momentum has been because there's been so much support out there for hyperconverged infrastructure and for this company and its solution. And the community is the big part of the success of the company. So thanks, everyone. That's really cool. It's really exciting, and I'm hoping that you all feel that you're sharing in the success of this company and this industry segment. A couple of points from the uh, blog post. We have over 1,000 customers and expanding our presence to over 60 countries. Just goes to show the breadth of customers across the world. So that's really exciting. I know you guys like to differentiate between web scale and hyper-converged. And I think that actually is an important distinction. As I've gone out and have talked to an increasing number of IT professionals, I just see a real shift in the IT mentality. I see IT professionals as much more aware of the challenges coming forward, both operating at higher levels of automation and higher levels of scalability, you know, DevOps, things like that coming forward. I just think that the IT of 10 or 20 years ago is not going to be the same as the IT going forward. And I think, again, I think Nutanix is part of the changing wave there. The technologies uh, that the platform is built on, these web-scale technologies, are going to be super important. They're going to be even more important going forward for IT people. Another news item found on GigaOM, how NASA launched its web infrastructure into the cloud. Interesting read. talks about how NASA in particular has moved to the cloud and has done it right, and where other parts of the government are struggling moving to the cloud. Some interesting points from the article in terms of money spent on moving to the cloud. Just to quote the article here, while several agencies boosted the amount of IT cash they spend on cloud services since 2012, the Government Accountability Office did a study and found that from 2012 to 2014, the overall increase was just 1%. 
One of the um, interesting things that NASA did was they used a product called Ansible, a configuration management tool. And we're hoping to have some folks in future podcasts come on and talk about how to use Ansible and Puppet and Chef and DevOps type tools to help you with your current environment. So interesting read, a lot of good numbers in this article. Yeah, Angelo, two things came to mind when I read that article, and it's a pretty interesting read. One is that NASA had to improve its IT practices to make their jump to the cloud successful, or at least had to continue their good IT practices. I don't want to cast any aspersions on what they may or may not have been doing. You can move junk into the cloud, right? You can move bad IT practices, poorly configured servers, poorly performing applications, and poor bad process into the cloud, and you'll still have bad IT. They use some modern techniques, some modern tooling. They probably had to change some of their processes as they moved some of these things over into a more of a cloud-based environment. I think that's interesting. Really kind of cloud is a forcing function for good IT. The other thing that I found interesting was the rise of this, we used to call them community clouds. I'm not sure what people call them these days. But the idea of a community cloud was that you would have a smaller cloud provider uh, an infrastructure provider who could provide cloud services to their community. That might be a hospital or a medical provider practice. That could be a school district or government, or it could be a government agency. And I think that kind of thing is also really interesting and is becoming a common pattern. You know, I think we see that here. Yeah, good good points, John. Yeah, so interesting read on GigaOM. We'll have links to it in the show notes. Final uh, news item is the Nutanix Next community 2.0 refresh. The social and communities team has worked on restructuring the community portal. We have a number of new categories, and it's our hope that we've made it a lot easier for you to navigate, to find what you need to help you to get things done in your environment. We've added a uh, blog section where we aggregate Nutanix blogs as well as community blogs. We have a forum section where you can ask questions, jump in on conversations with the community. And we also have a activity section where we outline and highlight what's going on in the world of WebScale and any conferences that we'll be at, any um, events taking place, education-type events, So it's a really exciting new design. It's our hope that you get in there and engage with other folks in the community. We're always open to ways of improving the community as well. So don't be shy. Email us at community at Nutanix.com. Nice, guys. I took a look at it today. It looks really great. Congrats on the new launch. Thanks. We're so excited because it's all about web scale. I mean, this site is you know, something that we would like, you know, that that we've wanted out there, you know, because there's a lot of community sites out there and there's a lot of social media sites out there that are either general, you know, like Twitter and those kind of sites. And then you have the forums that are specific to a lot of vendors and things, but we really wanted to expand the scope of this. So there's content on there about web scale planning and about community events that are coming up that are good ones to go to. And, you know, a lot of educational resources as well. We've expanded the scope from business to technical as well. So it's really for everybody at this point. Anybody that's really interested in the web scale technologies should take a look. So with that, let's get into our feature interview with our roving reporter, Dwayne Lesner. Take it away, Dwayne. I am very happy today to have a special guest, Jarian Gibson, on the line. Hey, Jarian, what, uh, what's happening in your neck of the woods? Hey, how's, how's it going? Uh, just another day uh, here in Kansas City. I uh, see that you've uh, 
split ways and you're, you've joined uh, to freedom, uh, if you want to call it that, you're on the private side. you want to talk a bit about your move and uh, what made you change? It's, it's kind of been in the works for a few months and something I've been, I've been uh, toying with the idea for a while, but I actually uh, ended up going independent. And then as soon as um, I made that, that clean break to, to freedom, I should call it, I went to Amman to do a project with uh, Carl Webster um, for about 10 days. So that was pretty interesting. I've been, uh, been thinking about the idea of going independent for a while. Uh, I've been consulting for, for 10 years, getting ready to enter my 11th year and, I figured it was the best time to do it. Um, some opportunities fell into my lap to help kind of accelerate my decision. So I, I kind of decided to take that opportunity and, and go with it. That's an impressive move, I guess. Uh, I, I know for myself, I'd be even traveling more than I, I was at Nutanix um, if I were to go consulting because there's really nothing where I live. If you want to Google Blackfoot, Alberta, you'll, you'll see why. But So what from straight doing kind of project work are you are you into writing or what's your flavor pretty much into anything and actually so far the travel besides going to Oman for the first one so far doesn't look too bad i got a lot of things where i can work remotely i've gotten some opportunities given my way due to some timing by some others transitioning out as i was transitioning in so that gave me a big boost in my customer base so it's kind of a mix but I'm mostly doing, you know, project work, support, some writing. So I'm pretty much open to to doing anything. Despite what the uh, the cloud paparazzi say, the it looks like IT jobs are still going up for 2015. So there should be lots of work out there for you. And I know myself. I think my first time I I ran into you was probably on a Citrix forum trying to solve my own problem. So I think you'll you'll have lots of room there. I wanted to, to talk briefly about Zen Desktop. I think Zen Desktop, at least version 7, I think, got a lot of flack for switching architectures, removing and adding Zen App and Zen Desktop. And now uh, 7.6 out, uh, it looks like a lot of people are making the move from their older Citrix environments. Um, do you have any experience in that realm? What's that really like versus what vendors are pitting against each other? It was kind of interesting because when 7.0 did come out, the whole naming change or taking away the name is an app, but even though the features were still there and then bringing that back. So that, that was kind of interesting the way that Citrix did it. And, you know, just from feedback from customers in the community, they decided to, even though they didn't take the features away, just the name decided to bring it back and, and bring the addition with, with the different excuse of it back. So that was interesting, but definitely when with Zen app making that jump from IMA, which was six, five, all the way down to Meta from XP, um, going to FMA, which has been Zen Desktop since Zen Desktop Five. Um, making that jump has been a has been a challenge with seven and seven one seven dot five. With seven six coming out though, they closed the feature parity gap of some features they took away or didn't take away but didn't have yet because of the architecture change. Those are now in seven dot six. So a lot of customers that weren't looking at making the jump are starting. to or starting to look at making that jump now because of it. The last time I actually even touched Citrix like as an admin was uh, MetaFrame, and then I got back in at 7, and it's probably only because of uh, working at Nutanix because I was pretty much a, a VMware Horizon View bigot uh, for the most part. And It's interesting seeing the, the two products side to side. You know, you talk about that, that gap in features. 
and maybe companies not wanting to make the move. But now that it's kind of on parity, how do you see people moving to view uh, in that in that jump, or are there a Citrix customer is just going to kind of keep going with Citrix, or do you see any of that? I really don't see see that making the jump to view. I could definitely see that they probably looked at it when 7.0 came out and with 7.1 and 7.5. I think with 7.6 filling those gaps, that were, some of the gaps are missing. There, there's still some gaps to be filled, but I think with 7.6 coming out and filling some of those gaps, I think they're going to stick with the app. It is going to be a, a cost thing for them as well as far as licensing and also possibly expertise as well if their shop has been running Citrix and Zenap for a long time, trying to make a jump to a different product and architecture may be challenging for them. But you're also seeing as well as that there's some large enterprises out there that are just now moving to 6.5 Zenap. So I'm not sure if they're going to be making the jump to the new architecture right away as well. You know, on this side, I was, well, as a customer anyway, I was probably more bleeding edge and cut myself multiple times. I think when you start dealing with enterprises, you realize they don't move as quick for various good reasons. So I can definitely see that. Well, VMware kind of made a push <laughs> to go after some of the 7.0, 7.5 even customers of uh, Citrix with their migration tool. So just kind of curious on how that was going to play out. I guess in the end, maybe there, there's not going to be that much of a change anyway. Definitely, you know, with the new features in, in Horizon 6 and the moves that VMware is doing are definitely exciting. And I, I could see people that have been long-time Citrix customers making that evaluation and possibly looking. I know that there's some larger customers that I work with. They're always checking out to see what's out there, not because they want to move, because they want to do their due diligence and making sure that they're using the best tools to deliver applications to their end user base. They're definitely looking at the products out there, and I'm not sure if or when they'll make the jump across those different products. And that, that's not just VMware. That's looking at you know pure RDS or even vWorkspace as well. Yeah, I always kind of wondered why just pure RDS from Microsoft didn't make more of a push for delivering remote apps. They are the base of it, but if you're doing lots of remote app, you tend to be a Citrix customer. It's interesting because everyone, you know, when you're doing Zen app or VWorkspace or even now the RDS stuff in Horizon, you're always paying that Microsoft tax. And that's one thing I always tell customers if you can get by with pure Microsoft RDS solution and go with it. It's not a solution that's bad or anything. It's actually a very solid solution. I think where it falls down, though, is some of the management pieces of it. And that's where the other products that will bring that management in. That's why I've always kind of said that VWorkspace has been the more comparable product to Citrix and Zenapps and Desktop. I've always wondered why that's never gotten more push out there. It's always that Citrix versus VMware. While, you know, VWorkspace has been chugging along, adding features and aligning more with Microsoft as they improve their product. I haven't really given Workspace too much of a thought until the OEM relationship with Nutanix, but there's a white paper now on uh, Workspace and Nutanix. It has, surprisingly, has a lot of features that kind of get glossed over. I don't think when you go down a selection path between either application or desktops, you kind of just throw everything out except for Citrix and VMware. I'm not really sure why that is. I guess it's good marketing. <laughs> yeah, if you actually go down line for line and look at your workspace versus what's in that, what's in that and the desktop can do, it's actually more comparable to they have the relationship with Mocha 5 to have their their offline Type 2 desktop, and then they have the product from Wise that can do streaming just like uh, PBS can now, and that's all in the new version. So it's going to be interesting to see latest bits, a new version of the workspace, if there's going to be any kind of shift from the whole Citrix versus VMware to the workspace against those products now. 
Do you know what kind of endpoints that you can use with Workspace? As far as like the, the user access, it's kind of the same thing. They have clients for the different platforms out there, just like VMware and Citrix do. The one thing where VWorkspace is ahead of the game for both Citrix and VMware is that they've had Linux virtual desktop support for a long time, where you're seeing, you know, lately in the past few months that Citrix and VMware both announced their support for Linux virtual desktops and applications. They've kind of had that for a while where you're just now seeing Citrix and VMware make that move towards those. Yeah, I think on the the Linux side, I don't know a lot of people that need or want it, but I think there's lots of opportunity for like point of sale systems or the easy applications where you could maybe get out of paying Microsoft a bit for those licensing fees. Yeah, one thing could be that the Microsoft tax, because I know that that's on everyone's mind, and you know, until Microsoft truly really fixes their licensing when it comes to virtual desktops, you know, that's one thing. I've seen it a little bit on the educational side. But where I've really seen it, and I've come across customers wanting to do it in the past couple of years, has been more of engineering and offshore development, and even regular developers want that access instead of having to use a Windows uh, endpoint to do that, because that's their native environment. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense from that side. Linux skills are picking up on my side. I think they kind of have to with what's going on in IT anyway, but it's hard enough keeping everything updated, but I guess maybe they... They don't care as much, or they can maybe toss it away. I'm not too sure. I know when we came across a huge use case a couple years back, and this is even when PBS actually supported Linux to do Linux endpoints, the system management side and some of the products like Ubuntu and other flavors of it, they have their own management pieces to do that. And you're even seeing things like System Center being able to adopt and PowerShell being able to adopt managing Linux endpoints in, in some form or another. It's out there. That brings a good segue into uh, uh, MCS versus PVS, Machine Creation Services uh, against Provisioning Server. Prior to Nutanix, I know you've definitely used the kit. I think you need Choice Solutions. Well, they are a good partner of Nutanix. What are your thoughts on MCS versus PVS? Is it still 50-50, or what's the split, or what do you prefer? I've had a lot of experience with PVS in the past, even cutting my teeth on it before all the good documentation that's out there today going through those different times with it PVS is a great product it's the one that's been there for the longest it's got plenty of scale and the one thing it can do that MCS can't is physical endpoints as well so I think the whole MCS versus PVS debate is going to come down to they're both tools in the toolbox to help deliver the right solution for an environment and it could be one or the other or it could be a mixed solution now You've probably seen my tweets out there and if, um, from GeekSpeak at uh, Synergy last year, or, or I'm sorry, earlier this year. I kind of alluded to it's, there are some challenges with PVS to where MCS does look more attractive. And, and definitely with MCS, it's built in, so it's less infrastructure. There is some challenges, I think, with the workflow of the image management. It could be better on MCS. And you've seen things out there by those in the community, like Jim Well, who's done the comparisons of the performance overhead, and once you get down to some of the new built-in hypervisor features, it's not that much different as far as performance-wise. Now, I know that Citrus recently came out with the memory cache with the spillover to disk. It's getting down to little to no IOPS, but you got to kind of look between the covers there and read the fine print because if you don't architect that correctly, you'll still run into some kind of issue down the road. Again, I think they're both just tools in the toolbox to, to deliver the right solution for deployments. Now, I know with, with Nutanix and the Shadow clones, 
MCS, you know, goes hand in hand with that, where PBS could be a little bit um, overkill for that environment, per se, I guess. Maybe if you're really qualified or you have a lot of experience, PVS can be that a really good tool, but it seems like there's a lot of infrastructure that it takes to, to run it, and if you're not really watching that, you can really cause some major outages or downtime versus kind of MCS, you know, it's kind of all built in. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's a fair assessment because, you know, with PVS, you're actually relying on the network as well. You know, making sure that there's no issues with the network, no other Pixie services interrupting with it, making sure nothing interrupts that stream because with the PBS boot, it's only going to pull down enough to make the machine boot and then pull down updates that's needed. So if there's networking issues, it will affect PBS. Where with MCS, you don't have to worry about those extra infrastructure to worry about. You don't have to worry as much about the network as you do with PBS. But with MCS, you still have to look at the storage impact kind of plan out how you're going to do your image management of the snapshots making sure you're not, you're not letting the snapshots grow past live because it can get kind of hairy after that. There's pros and cons on both sides. I think the shift has been kind of towards MCS for a while but I know that new write cache to memory with the failover to disk has been attractive for PBS and hopefully that's something we'll see some kind of enhancements like that. Again, I know with Nutanix and the Shadow Clones that kind of goes hand in hand with what MCS does that can help there on, on that area. For maybe listeners that don't know what shadow clones are, really shadow clones are just once uh, a gold image is being read from multiple nodes, we can sense that, and then on the every controller VM gets its own snapshot of that golden image, and then really all the reads become localized. So it's really a performance at scale, so you don't really have to worry about that one image ever uh, becoming the bottleneck. Um, and, and it's all automatic. I think after 4.02, it's turned on by default. Prior to that, you might have to go on the command line and turn it on, but pretty cool feature. Uh, works with uh, view link clones as well. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I think, like all the other technologies, you never, nothing's ever going to die. Tape's going to be around, and even if they stop working on PVS, which they probably won't, then it's still going to be here for a while. Yeah, I don't think we'll see that get away for a while, especially when you look at the physical side of things, because Citrix has been doing a lot of work with HP and doing the whole Moonshot thing, which relies on PBS to deliver that shared image to the Moonshot node. So I think we'll see it for a while. We've kind of heard the chat over the years that's going away. It's not going away. Hopefully it just comes to a point where Citrix takes both products, takes the best of both of them, and puts it into a, a single product to where you can have a few different options of being able to do the image delivery. Like you said, you know, more options are always going to be good as far as getting yourself into or out of situations, I guess, depending on <laughs> depending how you go about doing that. From your experience with deploying uh, Nutanix in Zen desktop uh, environments, what are your takeaways in planning that out or, or even maintaining it? The main thing is just making sure you're playing out the initial pieces when you're installing it. You know, once you have you know, your IP addresses and the networking and everything, when you're on foundation, once you get it from there, it's actually pretty straightforward from most of my experience. Now, I'm a little light on the production side of deploying Nutanix. With my position when I was at Choice Solutions, most of my experience was more of the POC, the lab, the front side of it. All my extensive testing was from when we were loaning some blocks for Synergy and Bryform myself and Shane Kleiner to work on our sessions, do testing using Nutanix to help do our testing for monitoring solutions and also private cloud. 
that's where most of my experience in the tank has been. But once you get it up and running, it's a pretty slick platform. And, you know, with the enhancements that have been made of doing the updates to the OS, it has made things pretty much zero downtime and pretty fast. It's kind of funny. I was talking to um, an old coworker of mine from Choice who's now somewhere else, and he was talking about doing a six-hour sand upgrade tonight. And I was just like, that's crazy. <laughs> and, oh, and, wow. In this day and age, doing a six-hour sand upgrade when doing like a 10 to 20-minute Nutanix upgrade is another option is crazy. So, <laughs> it's what's really crazy about that is that that's like six hours of you sweating bullets, making like, you know, am I going to have a job at the end of this thing? At yeah, least that's... babysitting. <laughs> six hours of babysitting uh, sand is crazy. Wow. Um, well, I guess if it's six hours and it gets you, it gets it to the end. But yeah, that's that's a lot of time. You were mentioning the private cloud setup. Maybe elaborate on some of your Bryform and Synergy talks. At Synergy, I had two sessions, one with uh, Shane Kleinert, who we've been doing the tech bake-off stuff, and we've done monitoring sessions for Zen Desktop at Bryform for the past couple of years, and at Synergy this year. We did one, a session on monitoring solutions for Zen Desktop, and what we did was we were able to um, use the Nutanix platform to have our base for that to perform that. So we did, we did testing around Hyper-V and vSphere and then loaded up the Zen Desktop components on top of it, and then we put some load on the blocks and then use the different tools out there from the built-in ones for Zen Desktop like Director to, to third-party ones to be able to test those and do some comparisons and then talk about our experience, kind of compare the products, and then take some questions and feedback from the attendees. The other session we did was at Bryform, which was myself, Shane Kleinert, and Dane Young, where we did private cloud um, comparisons where and I believe it was when you were in our session for that one. Yeah, that was a that was a good session. Uh, it went by quick too. You think seventy five minutes is a long time, but it goes by quick. And you know, with Synergy being forty five minutes, that goes by even quicker. But at Bryform, we did the three different solutions out there from Microsoft, Citrix, and, and VMware. Where Shane had VMware VCAC, I had Citrix Cloud Platform, and then Dane did the Microsoft System Center in Azure. And we did myself and Shane did a lot of our testing using um, Cloud Platform. On top of Nutanix, then he did the VCAC on top of Nutanix. So having those blocks and being able to use the testing came in very handy and gave us a lot of good exposure to the Nutanix platforms as well. Some of the ins and outs of the deployments and also some of the maintenance stuff as we were going through and using Foundation to redeploy them for the different hypervisors. And then also just going through and looking at some of the features in Prism and the Nutanix OS. Were you guys able to utilize any of the REST APIs? We looked at it for a little bit. We ran out of time with the blocks. I think we did two or three sessions at Bryform. And so we, we, we got kind of busy with our sessions. I looked at it some because I've been actually working on messing with some of the APIs to kind of get like a centralized dashboard for some of the products. It's one thing I want to get back to, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully there's a another way of being able to do that without actually having to block from Nutanix. I've heard some rumors out there on, on Twitter and seen some of the Nutanix guys mention things about a community edition. So hopefully if or when that comes out, that that makes leveraging uh, the API easier for some of us trying to do development against it. Yeah, that's kind of funny. I've heard that same rumor. I think we'll probably hear some more announcements around the Nutanix Next conference coming up uh, next summer in Miami. But yeah, that's a, a great point for uh, why you could use something like that. Internally, when I get asked from people, what you know, what should we do for around APIs? I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. It's like if you only need one volume and it's automated, what what am I going to automate? You know, but um, seeing a lot of uptake around the DR side anyway, 
as far as getting that automated and spilling uh, VMs back over to the failover and uh, fail back. And one thing, too, about the API, I've been working with Andre a little bit before. I love choice was um, using the Zen Desktop plugin to do the different SLA management as well. And that's all kind of done through the API as well. There's things that can be done as automation side or maintenance or even monitoring with that API if that's exposed and easily available to developers out there to be able to work with it. I think uh, if you're looking for a plug for a community edition, you have one here for that purpose right there. Um, not only for that, but just some education as well and further testing for people to have that exposure to Nutanix platform without having to have that investment in a block or two to do that. It wasn't too long ago uh, internally at Nutanix. They had a hackathon where the engineering team took like three days and kind of went off to build these small mini projects. Um, maybe some of them will see the, you know, the light of day, maybe not, but there's definitely heavy use of the API and some some cool things being taken away with other integration. And to your point with the Zen desktop plugin, I guess if if you truly only care about your application, that's a good way to shave some admin time off. Exactly. Agreed. Yeah, so from Zen server and from vSphere to Hyper-V, are you in all three of them today, or do you do a bit of KVM as well? I do a lot in, you know, in, in VMware and Hyper-V and in Zen Server, I am starting to dabble a little bit into uh, KVM. Mine's been more of from using it with Cloud Platform from Citrix, because I've been doing a lot of um, testing and doing some things with that in the lab. It'd be interesting to see if KVM enters the, the space for some of these um, companies out there for the hypervisor support. But I'm mostly working with the main three in a lot of environments. The majority of them is mostly you know VMware, of course, because that's the kind of the owner of the data center. There are also Hyper-V out there, and I'm a big fan of Hyper-V. I'm just not the biggest fan of Virtual Machine Manager. I think it's a bulky overhead not needed <laughs> when using Hyper-V, but it's something that has to be done when you're doing a Zen desktop with it. Zen Server, I've had some success with as well in some environments. The largest one has been 13,000 users. I actually did a session on that last year at Synergy as well about a healthcare customer I've worked with over the years. And we ended up deploying 13,000 users using Zenapps and Desktop PBS on Zen Server 6.1. There are some good-sized deployments out there of Zen Server in the enterprise. I just think that there's been some confusion between some of the Citrix announcements um, with it. But I definitely think seeing their investment and in development in vGPU is just the beginning of what's to come in the future for it. So I wouldn't completely write that one off yet. But it would be interesting to see, um, going back to KVM, to see if there's any uptake of that as far as it comes to desktop and application virtualization hosting for some of these companies out there. So, I think whatever kind of poison you pick on that regard is really, what are you really doing with it? As all of these hypervisors continue to add on features, at the end of the day, if you look at a remote branch, what do you need? I think if you got HA, you're pretty much happy at that point um, because probably the one or two servers you have out there probably not doing a heck of a lot, potentially, but... I guess everyone's environment's different. Where can uh, people stalk you online and maybe even try to hit you up for some work? I have a website, jarringgibson.com, which actually I've had for a while, which mostly has been mainly a blog website, but um, I'm doing some work on that to change that now that I've gone um, independent to talk about some of the services I offer, along with transform that into a business site. So you can always find me through there. I'm very active on Twitter and my Twitter handle is at Jarian Gibson so you'll, you'll see me on there sometimes or not sometimes but a lot and sometimes I go on some rants about football but 
That's another story. I'm also uh, very active in the Citrus forums as well. I can also be emailed jarian at jariangibson.com if anyone's looking to to reach out for you know any questions or, or anything like that or even look for some assistance or potentially bring me on to help them out with some work. I'm always willing to help out those in the community, so always reach out if you, if you need to. Well, thanks very much for your time. It was good catching up. Hopefully we'll uh, see and hear from you in the new year. Yeah, thank you, and I appreciate you guys having me on. I enjoyed the time on here, and I look forward to seeing what else you guys are doing down the road uh, on the podcast because I've been following it and listening to it the past couple you guys had. So happy holidays to you guys, and look forward to uh, what's in the store for Nutanix and the Nutanix Next Conference next year as well. Awesome. Take care, and, yeah, we'll see you on Twitter anyway. All right, thank you. Mm, Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Next Community Podcast. Don't forget to follow Nutanix on Twitter for the latest news and announcements. If you're interested in participating on the podcast or have a topic idea, email community at Nutanix.com. I'm Angelo Luciani. I'm Laura Whalen. And I'm John Mark Troyer. We look forward to chatting with you again next week. 